Stay inspired on the go with Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast from internationally acclaimed executive coaches, authors and ministers, Albert and Comfort Okran. You will be inspired and challenged with strategies to consistently reach for new heights. And now, today's message. I have the privilege of hosting alumni from Tamale Secondary School and I have two great men in the studio to give me perspectives on repositioning. Peter Elias is the CEO of All Time Capital. He's a, a friend of Springboard. He's been here a couple of times and Peter will be helping us understand why repositioning is necessary in the area of finance and, and bits and pieces of career. Dr. Henry Alassan is a policy uh, is a strategist and a policy advisor and an expert in agri environment development and communications and he will be giving us some ideas about these areas i'm particularly interested in agriculture environment and how it can dovetail into our development i'm very very keen on people who come out of university who want to go into agriculture and the options available to them and by the way whether there's a, a different way of approaching a greek from the way we are doing it now i have some questions that probably dr Lassen can help me answer but we are building around the theme of repositioning let me start with you on the theme of repositioning i mean i, I know that you've been invited to talk about repositioning as part of our build-up to springboard. But to you as a person, why would repositioning be important? Why, why, why do you think a theme like repositioning is worth discussing at a time like this in our history as a people and as an individual? I believe um, a team, the theme repositioning is critical at this moment because the world is very dynamic and changing very, very fast. And you need to think through whether the current state and position in which you are is consistent with the changing trend and whether you are with that trend or you are behind that trend or you need to even think ahead of that trend and decide the kind of position you want to take, career, personal lifestyle, um, uh, professionally, and um, all other things, businesses, and whatever that you think is necessary that you need to, to reposition yourself in, to be able to take advantage of the opportunities that are before you. Right. So the key thing is positioning in order to have advantage. Let me stick with you. Your background is a bit of academia. You are also in environment, agriculture, development and communication. I see that you've done some work in the London College of Management Studies and that you also recently were with the Agriculture Development Bank. What what is your strongest area of interest and, and, and in your career transition? Walk us a bit through a bit of your career and, and where your strongest passion is. That's very difficult to tell because when you have someone with a composite background, uh, it, it's very difficult to tell because you see different strands and different interesting things which are intertwined, right. which are multidisciplinary, and they are not in isolation. They are not in isolation. They are, they, they, they are interlinked. And therefore, it's very critical for us, you know, for me, to begin to see it as a kind of a, 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 an opportunity to draw expertise from different areas, to be able to have a holistic approach, you know, to whatever I am doing. Environment is very critical to agriculture. So is right. agriculture critical to environment. Right. Environment, agriculture are critical to development. Communication communication is critical to all this so you, you, you can see the interconnectedness and uh, I'll say that uh, to some extent I'm quite privileged to have some knowledge 
in all these areas and to be able to harness them, you know, kind of uh, put all in one basket, harness them for my personal development as well as for the development and growth of the various institutions that I happen to work with. Right. Let me let me let me ask you the, that exactly is what I'm interested in. The fact that you have studied on different lines. Are you a fan of multidisciplinary learning and why? I mean, I just see you migrate from one area to another, building competencies in different areas. Would you say that as part of repositioning, a person must look at diverse learning? And what would be your reason for that? Obviously, obviously, and absolutely. I do agree with you that repositioning means you've got to understand the market, you've got to understand the trend, you've got to understand the dynamics of society. And you ask yourself, where are my interests? How do my interests fit in this changing trends? And how do I fit in? Um, as somebody who was a teacher and I moved into journalism as a communicator, I realized that there were different strengths in communication. And I decided to focus on agriculture and environment. And in self-focusing, I built my capacity in that area to be able to push forward and to reposition myself in the area of communication because I became an expert not only in communication but I was also an expert in communicating agriculture and environment for right. that matter right. and so it set me apart from so many other colleagues who were in the media during those days and so in building my competencies I don't need to go and build any extra competence in communication because I have all the fundamentals I rather need to build my competence in the area of environment and agriculture and that's solidifies, you know, that gives me more grounding, you know, in what I can do. So this time when I'm talking or when I'm writing and when I'm communicating agriculture and environment, I'm not communicating as somebody who is listening to a third party, but I'm communicating as an authority on my own. Right. You know, so these are the kind of repositioning we're talking about. I'm going to come back to you and talk about repositioning from the national perspective because I'm looking at the 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 degradation of the environment and the the the, the impact of something like Galamsey and the, the the projected impact on agriculture. And, and and still, the question that I keep asking myself is: Should we be doing agric the same way, considering that we are several years, several decades old as a nation? And other countries have smaller percentages of their population feeding them and then exporting. I'm going to cross over to Peter Iliasu. And Peter, let's talk about repositioning. I mean, it's almost as if you've been here thrice. The first time you were here, I think you were you were in Fidelity Bank. The second time you were here, you were in Merchant Bank. The third time you were here, you were in All Capital. It's been quite a journey for you. But as a person, let's talk about repositioning. Why is repositioning important for you as a person? I think it's extremely important uh, because um, the world is changing. Um, people are moving very fast. Ideas are, are coming up every day. Uh, the youth are trying to take over from us. So if you really want to don't really position yourself enough, uh, they go past you. For instance, uh, if somebody sends you an email and then you tell the person that, oh, let me get to it before I can reply to you, it means your time is passed. You must be able to send back the email immediately because uh, you, you might have a mobile phone or an iPad or something. But as soon as you tell the person, as soon as somebody tells me, oh, let me get to the office before I can reply to your mail, it means your time is part. <laughs> you haven't really repositioned yourself. And if you're not very careful, you die with the time. 
and that is why it's extremely, in very simplistic terms, extremely important to reposition yourself. Yeah. Right. Doc, let's talk about agri, which is one of your pet areas, and the environment, of course. And so, so what should I call you, an environmental agriculturist or what? <laughs> Okay, so let me ask you about Agrig. I, I, I look with a bit of trepidation at the impact of the degradation of the environment on agriculture. And I, I sometimes begin to feel that considering the pollution of our water bodies and the way the land is being stripped and farms are being converted, very soon there will be very little arable land left. Is it a concern that you share? Um it is no there's there is a a level of degradation in Ghana that really need to be uh, we need to be concerned about um that is because of um, uh, agricultural practices are not consistent in the context of sustainability uh, however uh, we must remember that uh, Ghana is still blessed with very good land uh, with good water bodies and I also acknowledge that uh, there are a lot of uh, pollution of water bodies, which will not be healthy, not only for human consumption directly, but also for even agricultural crops, because um, um, even if they are able to aid the growth of the crop, ultimately human beings will consume them and will have a negative or unhealthy impact on the health of the of, of the consumers. So we really need to be concerned. Uh, but that is because of the approach we are using for agriculture. We need to sit down and go back to the drawing board and rethink what we want to do in the agricultural sector, and that is bec- and this approach is basically political. The way we run our politics, government come today and change the policy, another government comes and change another policy. So you don't have policy coherence, you don't have consistency, and therefore nothing goes well. You plan something today, another government come and think no. There's no national consensus as to how we should drive agriculture and even development generally. And that is where the challenge is. And so until we get back, take a step back as a country and rethink how do we run agriculture, devoid of the politics. We have all the good brains in Ghana. We have them. You go to Minister of Agriculture, the technical people are good. They are very good. You go to CSIR, the researchers are good. You go to universities, they are good. Some of them, I will say all of them, some of them are highly passionate in seeing agriculture go forward. And how can we harness all these talents to sit down and tell ourselves, how do we want to drive agriculture to make it sustainable in terms of land and water bodies? How do we manage our arable land? How do we manage our water bodies so that together, we can make agriculture the bedrock of our economy. At the moment, it is the highest employer in the informal sector. Even the formal sector, if we look at it, it's the highest employer. We're talking about 60% of the population engaging in agriculture. That's a huge number, you know. And yet, we have all these challenges. How do we channel these numbers to make sure that we have full full self-sufficiency and ultimately full security? Because we need to build our stocks and which are our priority areas we still, we just live in everything to the market forces let me ask you in the context of in the context of a typical university lever 
a young entrepreneur, somebody who probably may have done a Greek, a Greek science or a Greek economy in the university, and we are encouraging them, listen, do something in the area of of your learning. If you can, find something to do, create something. We are seeing they should probably consider entrepreneurship in the area of their expertise. For the for the for that for that person coming out of university, that person who starts out as a, a, a start startup entrepreneur, what are some of the areas they should be looking at? Because the way we practice agri in this country is, in my opinion, way behind how how it is done in in very very serious countries, not just uh, in, in other continents, even right here in Africa, south of um, Southern Africa, and some of the other more established, even uh, Ivory Coast next door, Cote d'Ivoire next door. Is there something that we can see to the emerging young entrepreneurs about options and opportunities in agriculture? Yes, um, the young entrepreneurs, the university graduates in agri-economy, in, in livestock, in uh, uh, agronomy, and all, they have a future in agriculture. They just need to redefine what exactly they want to do. One, the crop sector maize is a huge opportunity. You take rice, another huge opportunity. You take soya bean, another huge opportunity. But we have very few educated graduates going into that area um, because they think that there are no support. But I also think it's because of lack of information. There's a lot of support out there. We have this uh, f- uh, uh, mechan- mechanized centers where they have stock, uh, what do I call them, uh, tractors and other aggregate equipment that you can go and rent, cultivate your land. But there are also challenges. Our land tenure system needs to be streamlined very, very, very well. And I think that under uh, the Land Administrative Project Lab 2, Lab 1 and then Lab, lab 2 now, they are working towards that, trying to make sure that there are no challenge, much challenges in the land area, but we still have some way to go. So the young entrepreneurs, there are opportunities. The 2010 um, or 9 best farmer was about 30 years when he won the award. And there's somebody who came out from university and decided to go into agriculture. Unfortunately, it's a friend, but the name just escaped me. Right. And he's cultivated huge tracts of uh, uh, plantations of mango. At the moment, he has some hundreds and about 1,000 plus acres of mango plantations in the northern sector of Ghana. And he's doing so well in that. So you just need to ask yourself a basic question. Do I have the passion? Do I have the interest? Do I have the determination? Do I have the commitment to go into this? And do I have the time to spend researching and deciding what exactly I want to do and which will yield me the necessary returns? Agriculture is not a short-term business. You don't go in today and things don't work out and you pull out. You go in and you persevere and ultimately you reap financially too. The financial institutions are there. Yes, uh, we do agree that there are a lot of uh, uh, the interest rates. It's a bit high in terms of that, so it's a bit of a challenge. But it depends on your credit readiness. When you go to a financial institution and you go and they give you 30% interest, don't run away. Take it. Repay. Next time you go there, you have a strong position to negotiate your interests. And I think uh, uh, I'm, I'm, Peter here will tell you. I'll come back to you <laughs> on, on this because I'm sure there are, there are several spin-off questions that one will, have, one will want to have answered because at the end of the day, when we talk about repositioning, we want to provide people with one, two, three pointers that somebody can carry away and say, listen, starting Monday, I want to build this thing. It may not, I may not get there tomorrow. I may not get there next year. 
but I'm giving myself a five-year time span to get to this destination. Can we, can we give people those kinds of answers? Can we give people those kinds of opportunities? Peter, you were nodding your head and signaling when, when, when the issue of agri was being discussed. Yeah. I'm sure you have some perspectives on, on this. No, I, I was just thinking that if you have a look at the 1992 Economic Recovery Program, it made imports much, much cheaper. It made the Ghanaian uh, much easier to import commodities. So the floodgates was open to the whole world. We got goods coming from China, from the UK, from Germany, from other places. And I think the passion at which we use uh, to create imports is going to actually change that to exports. If we can change what we went through in 1992, we put in all that effort into export, we should be okay. And that's what I really wanted to contribute to. Right. Let, let me let me come to your pet area of investment. And many people on our tours talk about the fact that they they want to build their financial base. They want to build their asset base as individuals, and they wish they had more. They wish they could do it, but they feel constrained. The question I want to ask you: Can a person start from somewhere and systematically build the asset base to be able to build the the, the resources required that um, Dr. Larson was talking about? That you, if if the option was there to use your own finances while you go to the bank, can a person start from somewhere and build an asset base to be able to invest in future entrepreneurial opportunities? Yes, or you can easily start. Um the first thing you can do is to come to all time capital. Uh, <laughs> yeah. All time capital. <laughs> why, why, why didn't I predict that? <laughs> no, but on, on a more serious note, I think if we can all block out leakages, there are so many leakages in the system. For instance, uh, uh, people buy very expensive phones uh, at, uh, and they use very little materials on, on those phones. Uh, people spend lots of money doing unnecessary things. If you actually form a savings habit, and you start in bits, you must be able to put one or two things together. Um, the second thing is to uh, have a plan if you really want to start a venture, what is in a Greek, um, selling of ties, uh, export, whatever it is, you must have a plan. And the plan only works when there are actions. If there are no actions to read, that plan is a speech. And please ensure that every plan has an action, otherwise you you lose that. And if you have, have if you have that action, uh, one of it would be to go and see relatives in relation to um, uh, starting a business, and that alone uh, is um, is extremely important. So let me let me run by your first two your first two options. You're saying that cut the expenditure on cut the expenditure on things that you don't need, expensive things that you don't need, and 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 we normally tend to blow as, as they say in Ghanaian parlance blow yeah. money on things that we really don't yeah. need and, and there's so many examples so and, many examples but you know yeah. what I find interesting I find yeah. the thing I find interesting is that people sometimes on the lower end of the income ladder spend yeah. more money on yeah, expensive yeah. things to yeah. prove a point than those who are established but you're saying that is one way and the second way is that we must be able to build credibility to yes. raise money from family and yes, friends from from for a business yes. venture and a relative not may not uh, give you money but may be able to help you polish your business plan may be able to sort of guarantee you to get finance from another person right so not necessarily getting money from the person but in a way helping you to sort of start your so you're looking more at networks i'm much much more network network is extremely important it, it opens doors to many 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 people and i think we should also start looking at networking talking about networks i i, I spoke to somebody who said who said 70 percent of his business comes from friends 
and people he either went to school with, goes to church with. And he was saying that it's not because he doesn't deserve the opportunities, but it's simply because people find it easy to do things with people that they trust, that they know, that they can vouch for their credibility. Would you, would you subscribe oh, to I that notion? That. I mean, trust is very important in business. Um, like I said earlier on, if you have lots of friends in church, or in workplaces, um, an old student, that person can easily recommend you to a, a supplier, and a supplier can give a huge can give a huge discount. So instead of being upfront from the beginning, you're getting a huge discount from the person. Um, that person can help you, like I said, with your business plan. Uh, that person can help you uh, introduce you to another another person. Uh, so through a network of friends, you should be able to sort of uh, sell your products. Uh, Make money um, uh, and build and build up on your businesses, and there's so many ways that you can actually do that. I think with uh, with 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 uh, an array of friends and relatives, you must be able to sort of start a business and do well. Right, Doctor Lassa, let me come to you and and, and and ask a question, and I'll still um, come to the my the issue of agri. But let me just ask you generally: uh, if somebody met you in the lift and wanted to find out from you pointers about career success, what it takes to succeed in your in your career. Uh, Peter has mentioned networks, networks of friends. Tap into your network and take advantage of your network. He's also talked about build credibility so that family and friends can be a source of support, not just for finance, but also for even referencing for you um, when you are looking for opportunity. Do you want to then touch on any other things that can help a person achieve career success? Determination. Determination. Focus. And uh, 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 and then the ability to endure. You, you've got to know that uh, career success doesn't come on a silver platter. You know, networking is one. Yes, by your determination, your hard work. You know, your commitment to excel is very, very critical. You know, you take nothing for granted. All that you want to do is to do an excellent job, a job that pleases. Uh, and the beneficiaries and they will keep on coming and coming and coming back to you and they know that you are capable of delivering what's your biggest setback you've, you've encountered in the course of your work well <laughs> I'm sure you've always, setbacks I, I, I've always had setbacks but I've always turned them into opportunities so it's difficult right. for me to say this is a setback L- let's choose a setback first and then probably look at the opportunity <laughs> that came out of it so that somebody listening tonight can have some hope but um, for example, um, in 1998, I did a consultancy for the European Union under a program called PASIPE on the Volta business, some environmental work. And after I submitted my report to a packed crowd in the Accra, the Accra International uh, Conference Center, VRA called me and said, Look, we want you to expand the scope of these environmental issues you've done on the Volta basin. A gentleman, a staff of VRA, whom I was supposed to work with, asked me where I did my master's. And I told him I didn't have any. But the guy was shocked that I didn't have a master's and I was capable of doing what I did. That was the end of it. The work I was supposed to do to expand on my initial pilot project ended. And to me, it was a big blow that my competence was measured in the context of my qualification. Right. You know, and for me, that was a big setback, and I've seen it recur over and over and over again. Your qualification is substituted for your competence. And when you have the qualification, even if you are not competent, people will give you the job. 
and that's been a very big challenge. How did you respond? Well, I went back to school <laughs> and got double doctorates. <laughs> okay, so probably, you probably want to look for that guy and send Peter, you should send him a kick. Okay. <laughs> Peter and I have a story about kicks, kicks as, as a measure of gratitude. But, but, but so, 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 Doctor, I am baking my cake, so uh, it's going to be ready. By thank you very much. <laughs> so, so, if I understand you, right, you're saying that you, you found yourself in a situation where you believe you were competent for a job, you were qualified for a job, but it was denied you because you didn't have the commensurate academic qualification. That's right. And much as it hurt you, it made you made a vow to add value to yourself exactly. and you went even beyond the master to get a double doctorate and now should that opportunity come again you not only are competent but you also are qualified exactly. to respond exactly so Thank my, you very much. my 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 qualification is now not an issue right whatever you want to do with me is going to be based on my competence and capability to deliver right so your, your, your academic qualification will no longer be a barrier no. to the expression of your competence no. It may only be a barrier to say I'm overqualified. <laughs> I'm having a conversation with Peter Eliasu and Henry Alasan, both alumn, alumni of Tamale Secondary School, as we do our old school perspectives. Just talking about repositioning and touching base with a few a few of the issues that relate to repositioning. And I hope you're, you're, you're gleaning some useful thoughts. Henry believes that determination, hard work, and then the commitment to excel and give value to stakeholders will stand you in good stead wherever you find yourself to achieve career success. Peter Eliasu says that if you build credibility with friends and family, they can support you financially and then also vouch for you if you require any kind of support they can stand in for you and that is very important he's also saying that networks are not just there for the sake of having them use those networks call up those old school mates keep in touch uh, i was listening to pk register at the festival of ideas and he says of what use is a network if you only call when you're hot <laughs> he says just consistently keep in Let's touch keep with calling. people yeah. just so that when you call them in a day of trouble it's not a strange call i mean imagine uh, i was speaking to one of my colleagues who runs an insurance company he says he he a, a young man came to him for for help and then he saw him the next time two years after when he mm. said ah, you remember me I'm, I'm the young man who came to you for help um, two years ago he thought the guy was coming to say thank you <laughs> the guy says i need help again <laughs> So the theory of <laughs> Professor Richardson is <laughs> that don't, don't hide yourself and only, only appear yeah. when you need I help. I totally agree with you, <laughs> right? But, but but keep keep the relationship keep really, yeah. going. Yeah. Let, let me let me find out a bit about about Tamale Secondary School. How how was how was how was life in your Tamale school days? I'm I'm looking at achievers and finding out is there a correlation between the kind of education you received, the environment in your secondary school, and how you turn out as a person. So please let me find out what kind of person were you were you when you were in school. I. I was a quiet, shy boy. Still, you still are shy. And I think I'm still shy. My wife oh, put oh, to that. Dorian, <laughs> please come and help me. Uh, but it taught me to be an independent thinker, and it taught me to compete in any environment. Um, I remember um, I went to uh, give a presentation to executive committee of Barclays uh, Bank in the UK, and I really felt that I'd sort of uh, uh, sort of gotten what Tamasco actually taught me to be able to compete in any environment and to succeed. Um, so th- th- I think that's what, one of the most important things that Tamasco taught me, uh, to think on my fate uh, independently and um, and also to compete in any environment and to make sure I am the number one. 
Right. Henry, let me find out from you. What, 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 is there a correlation between the, the environment, the exposure, the opportunities that you encounter in your secondary school days and how you turn out eventually? Were you also, were you also a very quiet person? No, I was not quite. Uh, I was quite uh, an extrovert, but not the loud kind. Um, I was very friendly. Were you in sports? Very outgoing. Yes. Uh, Any time I did sport and I was growing up, my mom stopped me. Wow. She didn't want me to do sport because we said sports guys never went anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my mom never wanted me. Yes, I did play. When Tamasco introduced handball, I was in the handball team. But she said, no, you can do sports. I did a bit of basketball. She stopped that. Wow, you have a high <laughs> basketball. <laughs> exactly, volleyball. She stopped that. Anyway, so yes, yeah, Tamasco was a generally liberal um, environment. It enables you to think, to explore, you know, and to relate. There was highly a sense of independence. Uh, in spite of the fact that uh, it was also well-disciplined. We were well-disciplined, the, the tutors. You go for your preps, you know, you, you, you go for dining hall. You, you, still, you sit in the, in the dormitory when it's time to go to dining hall. Whether you eat or not, you've got to go to dining hall. So there was a sense of discipline. There was also a sense of community, you know. The, the, so it was, it was left with you to find your comfort zone and operate within that kind of community. What's, what's it about the rivalry between yourselves and, and Ganasco? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, Tamasco is... We're always the best anyway. Please don't let the Ganasco book all this. <laughs> <laughs> Ganasco, we're always the best. Um, um, better, better, better footballers. Better footballers. Don't disagree. Ganasco produced Abidi Pili. They produce a bit. We had a what do I call Anani Kobo? I bet he went on to be African Football of the Year. I mean, no, three no, times. No, no, no so problem. Yeah. Anani Kobo had a misfortune of getting injured, which destroyed his career. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, <laughs> Thank you for listening to Springboard Zone, an inspirational podcast by Albert and Comfort Okran. Like our Facebook and Twitter pages at Albert N E Okran and Comfort Okran A. For free resources and information about our itinerary, conferences, and media broadcast. For speaking appointments, email albert.okran at icloud.com or SMS or WhatsApp us on plus 233 You may also subscribe to amazon.com or your favorite online bookstore for copies of our inspirational books and audiovisual materials. Until we come your way again, Always remember, you are blessed indeed. No more searching, searching. the light. Has the light.